Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning and welcome to Real Presence Live. We are so happy and grateful that you are with us this morning. I'm one of your hosts, Brad Gray, and I'm joined by... And I'm Janine Vinson, yes. and wow, reunited again. Yes, it's, it's been a little done, while. Yeah, it's little while. but it's fantastic. I'm so glad to be in studio with you today. Yes, you too, Janine. And we have a chilly one today. But... Yeah, but it's warming up. Let's hope so. I, oh, yeah. I am not a big cold weather guy. I'm not giving up on the garden season yet. I mean, it's obviously all dead, but it still needs to be cleaned up. So I'm kind of excited yes. about this reprieve. I, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And uh, I'm also looking forward to this show today. This is going to be a, one, a great one. We have an amazing show, a lot of wonderful guests, uh, but it all needs to start with prayer. Yep. So let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, we thank you so much for the day that you have blessed us with. We are so grateful for the gift of life, the life that we've enjoyed in our time already, those that have gone on before us and continue to live in God's kingdom, and those who are yet to come. We just ask that we all just cherish the gift of life, not just our own, but our stranger among us, that we always lift others up as children of God, we pray. Amen. Amen. The, the Father, Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Ah, beautiful. Well, we uh, we have a great show lined up, and and to get us started off, we have uh, a local couple here to join us, Dan and Aubrey Johnson. Good morning to you guys. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for being with us this morning. Absolutely. Well, um, now, Dan, I think you've been on the radio before, right? I uh, yeah, once or twice. Okay, I think. excellent. Yeah. excellent. Yes, he's a pro now. Excellent. Well, for those who aren't familiar with you guys, could you guys kind of start off by telling us a little bit about yourselves? Yeah. So, uh, uh, graduated from Shanley High School, uh, and then I did undergrad at, uh, at NDSU, mm-hmm. uh, grad school up at UND, and then uh, I've been married to my wife Aubrey for seven years now. And uh, we we live in South Fargo with our uh, three children, awesome. six, three, and uh, three months. Yep, and I, um, my family grew up, or I grew up in Horace, just okay. south of Fargo. Um, also went to Shanley. Dan and I both graduated class of 2009. Um, went to UND, um, have my bachelor's degree from there, and then I also have um, an associate's degree from Northland Community College in East Grand Forks as a physical therapist assistant. So Fantastic. Yeah, like Dan said, we've been, gosh, I don't know how long have we been together, like 12 years and then married for seven. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, our kiddos, I stay home while our daughter's in kindergarten now. Okay. But then I'm home with our two boys and... We have two babies in heaven as well. Okay, so, okay. Um, yeah. So how old are the kids? Lenora is six. She just turned six here okay. in October. Um, oh, great. Yeah, Levi is three, and then Ian is three months. Beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Well, we wanted to have you guys on today to talk a little bit about children, the gift of children, and also how um, you know sometimes we receive, we're able to receive that gift and to nourish and cultivate. It. Other times it's given very briefly, right? And you guys had a loss this last spring. This 2020 has been a rough year in many, many ways. Um, we wanted to 
see if you guys could come and share with us a little bit about what you experienced this last spring, Aubrey. Right. Yeah. And it's not to, uh, um, just to have like, it was actually January of 2019. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's been, I don't know the math, like we're coming up on two years. Okay. Here, so, okay. Yeah. um, yeah, but so we actually experienced our first loss back in, um, April of 2018. Mm. Um, so she was, well, eight weeks old, okay. um, or eight weeks along, I guess I was when we experienced that miscarriage. Um, and then we found out like a month and a half later that we were expecting again. Wow. Um, so that grieving process was just a little bit different than mm -hmm. we're going to primarily focus on the loss of our daughter, Lydia, who we lost in January of 2019. I was 30, almost 36 weeks along oh, at wow. that point. Um, and I had actually had, um, it was January 8th, 2019. Uh, so forgive me if I get a little bit yeah. <laughs> shaky. It's it's obviously very heavy and tough yeah, to talk no about, doubt. but um, by the grace of God, hopefully I'll give a good message today. <laughs> um, so yeah, we were almost 36 weeks and I had a appointment that day actually with my OB. Um, heard her heartbeat that day. Everything was going great. Um, the only concern that I had was that I had a headache and I didn't generally have headaches or experience that throughout pregnancy and so just you know talked with my OB about that and she's like yeah I mean like everything is looking fine but we you know obviously want to monitor it um you know give us let us know if things change or if you need help you know in any way along the line and so um went home and you know kind of went about the rest of the day and after it was about nine o'clock I was just like, this isn't getting any better. I'm just going to try and go to sleep. Um, nothing seemed too alarming, um, except when I went upstairs to get ready for bed, I felt very dizzy, very instantly almost. Mm. Um, so I walked upstairs, um, laid down on the bathroom floor, and actually called down to Dan for help because I I was very close to losing consciousness, I think. Wow. Um, so I was laying on the floor. He was he came upstairs and was like, how can I help? Um being, you know, the, the very gracious, supportive husband that he is, you know, just trying to, you know, do whatever he could to help me in that moment. And then that's when I, um, as I was laying on the floor, experienced a placental abruption mm -hmm. where the um, placenta, which supplies all the nutrients to baby while in the womb, um, tore away from the wall of the uterus, which causes um, severe blood loss or significant oh. blood loss. So that obviously triggered a phone call to um, 911, and I was taken via ambulance to Sanford. And then from there, I was, I mean, I obviously know what happened, um, but I was very not coherent, and yeah. so Dan would probably offer some better yeah, <laughs> insight yeah. into those moments. So we, we ended up making it, uh, we, we made it to the, the top floor of the new Sanford Medical Hospital is the uh, uh, birthing floor. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, great, great views of Fargo, but we were brought up there, and uh, the, they ended up taking, doing the ultrasound, and they actually detected a very faint heartbeat. <laughs> and so uh, uh, she, and the, the you know, the, the thing that makes it even more more tragic is like, Baby was moving really, really well on our bathroom floor, you know, oh. as uh, uh, as as Obs was the, experiencing these types of things. So, uh, uh, and throughout the process, she kept saying like, "She's not moving anymore. She's not moving anymore." And so, like, we obviously we knew something good wasn't happening, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, we uh, 
made it up. They did an ultrasound real quick. They got the OB in there immediately and they actually detected a very faint heartbeat. So uh, they said, we, you know, we, we got to do an emergency C-section now. And uh, uh, so they, they brought her back, uh, got, you know, I, I got to watch all of the, the nurses, doctors run into the back room. And uh, ultimately after 10 to 15 minutes of life-saving measures on Lydia, uh, she ended up uh, passing away. Mm. Uh, what wasn't wasn't able to save her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so difficult, yeah. so so difficult, and and I know how strong your faith is, and it can only be by the strength of God, you know, in your faith that helped you get through this. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? How how our Lord just guided you through this devastating time? Yeah, um, I think as I was reflecting on, you know what I was going to discuss today. Um, it really became apparent that the Lord has been working in our lives. Like we were together in high school um, and we were, you know, part of like uh, teens for life. And um, we actually, I think talked on the radio when we were seniors in high school, maybe um, just about the the sanctity of life and just how precious it is. So I think the Lord has really been walking with us since then and has really prepared us to you know like you obviously don't there's no way to prepare for what's what happened so like those blessings and those graces have you know i think just followed us throughout our our entire relationship um but i guess immediately after you know losing her there's there's just so many things um that the lord provided in his goodness um he, you know, just our, our community, our parish community lifted us up. They were his hands and feet for us here. They they cared for us. They supported us um, in ways that, you know, we could never express how, how grateful we are to um, those people and their prayers. Um, specifically, he provided two very, the Lord provided two very faithful friends for me. Um, goodness, I can't even tell you how many times, like... <laughs> Or times a day, even, mm. I would call them or, like, Dan would know that I was having a rough day and they would just be there for me, um, whether it was, you know, letting me be angry or letting me just express how I was feeling or pray together, you know, like, I, I'm, they're irreplaceable friends in my life. Um, along with that, I was a part of a women's group that would, we would meet twice a month and she, we lost Lydia on a Tuesday and actually that very next Sunday, I went to our women's group. Oh. Um and we just talk about like how we're doing physically, spiritually, and emotionally, and you know, just having the ability to speak with faith-filled women about you know what I was experiencing, you know, as time went on, you know, mm. um, just very, very blessed to have those people. Um, we had many, I mean, masses offered for our family and for Lydia. One specifically in was it. Um, Bethlehem. Uh, there was a, a mass said for her there. Um, let's see what else. Oh, I that, can't. That, I can't. That, that was actually like. I'm, I'm glad that you said that. Uh, that that's something that uh, really, when we look at uh, some of the stuff that really helped me through, uh, mm-hmm. was the was the death of my mother, yeah. and uh, uh, the the fact that I got the uh, the ability to take an experience that ten year, ten years ago now. Uh, uh, it, it 
certain things like that impart uh, knowledge, uh, intelligence, wisdom in in ways that's very you know extremely helpful when you're presented with similar situations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so at that time, the 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 priest who was most formative in in the probably my my upbringing, but then also the the death of my mother was uh, Monsignor Mike Foltz, uh, mm-hmm. who was the uh, head pastor at St. Joe's at the time. And so when it happened, he was actually on pilgrimage with many people from St. Joe's Diocese of Crookston in Jerusalem, at mm. the tar- in Bethlehem. So oh. I believe they actually had a mass said for her in uh, uh, the uh, where where Jesus was oh. born. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, what was said for Lydia. The Church which, of the Nativity. The Church, Church of the Nativity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just uh, uh, you know, I, I had actually completely forgot that fact until right now. But like certain things like that is very very cool. Yes. To, uh, Monsignor Mike would on Sundays, like when my mom was too sick to actually go to church, he would come over and do church for us on Sunday morning at our house. Uh, uh, and so it's just, you know, it, it's very, very neat that uh, th- things like that were able to almost come full circle uh, yeah. w- with, with Monsignor Mike. Absolutely. Yeah. In, in the, the sadness, I remember, I remember that um, when you were going through it and my first, uh, first vision was, your mom, Daniel, holding your Lydia. And it was just a very powerful, to this day, it still chokes me up, you know, thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. The, uh, uh, over, overarchingly for my, myself, just even understanding that like, uh, uh, to, to suffer is so quintessentially human. Yeah. And that's just who, 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 uh, uh, Jesus said, "Let you know you you are in First Peter. You know yeah. you you will suffer as I have suffered, mm-hmm. or you know pick up your cross and follow me." And mm-hmm. so, overarchingly, that that seems to be what uh, Catholicism is all about. But like more more importantly, just what being a, a human is is all about. Right. And so, just uh, understanding that these uh, that there there are these things that we're presented with, and they're the only way to appropriately handle yeah. them is to you know, pick, pick up your cross and fi- find a way to walk out of the depths of hell and, and make it, you know, uh, b- back on top of the hill as, as traumatic as it is. Yeah. Right, right. And, and it is something that, you know, how people handle things um, really depends a lot on, on how they allow Jesus to, to carry that cross with us, you know, yeah. that on our own, we can't do it. Yeah. Dan and Aubrey, this is, this is powerful, and I, I really want to go more. Uh, we're going to have to take a quick break here, but on the other side of the break, I want to go into this this aspect of the the power of Christ's presence in the midst of our suffering uh, in something like this, because I can only imagine, and I'd, I'd like to hit this on the other side of the break, that there's this overwhelming sense of this shouldn't be, right? Everything was good, and all of a sudden, it, it's not, you know? Yeah. And so that there's people have two roads to go down there. They can go down the road of what should be and what ought to have happened, or they can go down the road of the, the, the will of the Lord and, and his power in the midst of that. So we're going to take a quick break here. And on the other side of that, I want to come back and kind of dive into that a little bit. Okay, so stay with us for more Real Presence Live. We'll be right back after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. It's a great time to spring into summer at Riverview Senior Living Community in Fargo. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. 
We are currently accepting new independent and assisted living residents. Riverview provides a safe, comfortable place to live with a small town Main Street feel with home cooked food, a la carte care services, daily activities, and mass five days a week. You can contact Marin or Katie to find out about all that Riverview has to offer at 701-237-4700 or at homeishere.org. Do you know that your prayers today can still aid in the salvation of someone who died years ago? I'm Father Chris Alar. God is outside of time, and since he is all-knowing and all-powerful, he knows every prayer you will ever make and has the power to apply those graces to any point in time, past, present, or future. So if you have lost anyone, especially to suicide, and think that they are eternally lost, you can still help them. God can take your prayers from today and give someone grace at the time of their judgment because he forever knew that you would make that prayer and he wants you to help them accept his offer of salvation. So there is still hope. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sappo, parishioner of Saints Anne and Joachim Church in Fargo. I'm excited to share with you the launch of Lumen Vision, providing eye care for the whole family, including eye emergencies, vision therapy, and routine exams. We offer a variety of frames with missions you can believe in, like Eyes of Faith, a frame company that prints scripture verses on the inside of each frame. You can learn more about our mission at lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. We are Brad Gray and Janine Bits, and we're talking about Dan and Aubrey Johnson right now. Dan and Aubrey have been sharing the story of the loss of their daughter that took place in January 2019, and it was it was a very sudden thing. Um, and so Dan and Aubrey, you guys were, were sharing about how the things had all been going well, right? I mean, you you, were, you had the headache, all of a sudden you're not feeling well, you're laying on the, the bathroom floor, but you're still feeling the baby move, and so you're into the hospital. And um, and I was just struck by this as, as you guys were talking that, you know, there's there's this faint heartbeat there, and so we're in the facility where, where they save lives. We're in the place where they fix these sort of things. And then all of a sudden, you know, 15, 20 minutes later, however long it was, um, you don't have, your baby's not alive any longer. And Dan, right before we went to break, you were talking about this aspect of suffering. And it's an, an inescapable part of this life. I mean, we, we simply can't get around it. And yet, we all strive to, you know, and, and I think the natural reaction that we have when we're confronted with things like this, like, um, there's this incredible misery, and it, it shouldn't be. Things were great a day ago, you know, um, that it's this galvanizing moment, right, where we we can either be kind of crushed by it or we can allow the Lord to to be in there. And it doesn't take away the pain, right? It doesn't take away the suffering. There's still, I would imagine, for you guys, there is still that sense of why, you know, what's what's going on here? Can you talk a little bit about what what that experience was like for you, Dan? Yeah, no, absolutely. When we we look at... uh you know, I, I was a philosophy major and uh, undergrad, and so just even, even uh, 
looking at something like the logical problem of evil, it's it's a very very difficult thing to overcome because why why do we suffer? And the, it, it seems like it's inescapable mm-hmm. as humans to suffer unjustly. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you know what what can you do when you suffer unjustly? Other than like, the the only thing you really have the ability to do is to keep on keeping on one foot in front of another pick up your cross and walk up the hill like those are the only things that you really actually have the the ability to do in in that type of situation and it's it's almost like the the quintessential uh archetypical story the 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 hero ethic uh, the 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 quintessential hero story where you know, you're you're taken and you're put in a situation, and by all accounts, you shouldn't be there. Mm. And there's no reason for any of this happening, and it's not fair. And so, what, how you handle yourself in that situation seems to be uh, uh, the the difference between you, you know, coming out on the other side and uh, understanding that that their existence is something of benefit and that mm. life is worth living and that, you know, uh, we, w- there, there is some sort of meaning and purpose behind this. Or, you know, you, you fall into this nihilistic pit where noth- nothing matters and uh, existence in and of itself is, is unfair and uh, uh, there, there's no purpose in me being here. And so uh, in, in this type of situation, like never have I been encountered with those types of feelings more than in the situation where, with, with the death of Lydia. Yeah. And it is extremely difficult to to overcome those types of things. And as I said, it was extremely helpful for me to have the, the death of my mother as some sort of like linchpin to be able to uh, uh, jump off of. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, v- very, very difficult to do. Yeah. Aubrey, I'm curious. Um, you said that you had some great friends that the Lord placed around you and you had the support of a, a women's group. Um, were there, were there in the midst of this, were there certain kind of like uh, ideas or scripture verses or, or things that, that you were able to kind of keep coming back to? I, I, I'm oftentimes that seems like that's helpful. Right? Yeah. Um, one tool that I was given, um, by a, a good friend was, um, a seven sorrows rosary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that for me was just be able, just being able to, um, walk with Mary on her journey as a mom, Hmm. um, specifically, obviously, as the mother of our Lord. Um, There's, as any mom knows, there's great joy that comes with being a mom, but there's also many um, sorrows and many struggles. Um, Mm -hmm. So just being able to pray and reflect and connect with our Blessed Mother, um, that was a gift that has I don't know, just provided many graces and many blessings for me and a lot of healing too. Um, I imagine a sense that you're not alone right, in the midst of this, exactly. right? Exactly. Yep. And, and not to, I mean, your friendships, your girlfriends, but then your best friend and, and your husband in marriage, you know, how, how is that, um, how is your marriage strengthened by going through this? I mean, you already have two little ones at home that you need to care for. Right. You need to like, Dan said, keep moving one step in front of the other for your two children who are with you in your home and for each other right. in your marriage. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know, we were very, we'd never been confronted with a struggle like this in our relationship, in our married life. Um, and so just being, I don't think either of us, probably Dan more, way more so than me, is we're not very like emotional people. Like we obviously have emotions, but like, I'd say generally we're pretty level-headed. 
Um, but then to be confronted with this, you know, great tragedy, um, I think it strengthened our relationship to really meet each other where we were at in these experiences. Um, he lifted me up, gosh, too many times to count. Um, he encouraged me to, you know, take care of myself. Um, I think we were both really in a fog. Mm. Um, it just took a lot of reflecting to really see, you know, in the moment you don't know what you're experiencing mm-hmm. type of a thing. But um, we were definitely both in a fog of grief for a few months afterwards. And then I think it was about May or early summer when I was really starting to like wrestle with the Lord and wrestle with this, you know, why did this happen to us or why did this happen to our daughter? Mm -hmm. And so he encouraged me to take the steps to, you know, work through that. Um, I did go to counseling, which was, um, I saw a Catholic counselor, which was a blessing to be able to incorporate you know, our faith in those discussions. Um, and that was a, a huge part of my healing process. Um, and I have him to thank for that because like he was saying, you kind of go down the road, you can choose which way you're going. And anytime that I started, you know, maybe drifting the other way, he was there to, you know, bring me back and, and, you know, by the grace, by the grace of God, just, you know, thankful that we had a good relationship yeah. and that it was strengthened and not, you know, I guess destroyed or yeah, absolutely. Dan. There's there's only two things that have the ability to happen in that situation. Either either it's going to galvanize your relationship, and iron will strengthen the iron, mm-hmm. and you'll you know you you'll make a diamond out of the pressure and heat, or it's going to completely disintegrate yeah. around you. And if you look at the statistics around infant loss, uh, uh, frequently it disintegrates. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's very very difficult to have it not. And so uh, uh, again, you know, very very lucky that it we didn't and. As she was saying, uh, uh, I'm very much a, I try and almost be like a next level stoic uh, when, when it comes to these types of things. And like, I don't, I don't do emotion. I don't mm-hmm. express emotion. I don't really like it. And there's, there's positives to that. And there's, there's negatives sure. to that mm-hmm. for, for sure. But uh, uh, it, uh, it, it, even, even someone like myself who is wildly not emotional, it probably took me a month to come out of the fog of what happened uh, and, you know, probably being severely depressed and just mm-hmm. not knowing what, you know, what, what is actually going on. It, it took me, you know, at least a month to be able to look back and go like, wow, I was really, really depressed and not in a good place. And uh, even though like, obviously, like how, how would you not be? But uh, uh, e- even someone who prides themselves on, you know, be- being emotionless in the face of, mm-hmm happiness and sadness and, and everything else, uh, uh, that's the, it it was, it, it's good at least to be able to communicate that, uh, uh, it's something that had significant, uh, a significant negative effect on my, my overall emotional state, even though I'm pretty emotionless across the board. Um, I'm curious, Dan, uh, as a, as a husband and father, you know, um, part of the, part of our role is to be a protector and provider, right? Um, and so I'm, I'm curious, did, did it, did you feel like you encountered Aubrey in a different way uh, when she's dealing with a sorrow that you know you probably hadn't, um, you know, as a as a husband? Like, was it in some ways a, a different role or a different um, level, a dip- different depth of the role of being one who's there to care for her? Especially if, if as you say, you're kind of a bit of a stoic, and like this whole emotion business seems a little bit overblown. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, what what was that like for you? It's uh, uh, so it's we we have an extremely good dynamic in that uh, uh, 
if any of us start, if either of us gets off kilter, the mm. other person's really, really good at writing them mm. almost immediately. Uh, a good marriage should almost be like a, just a, a really, really good wrestling match. You can't have someone uh, if you know if if one person is dominant, it's 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 not going to be any fun. No one's going to want to watch. You know, like mm-hmm. you you need to have back, need to be that team. You you need yeah. there, there needs to be back and forth. When mm-hmm. one person's down, the other person has to bring them back up. Mm-hmm. And, on, you know, it's, it's very unfortunate in a situation like this where, you know, like how do you bring someone out of the, the you know, the, the depths of hell and like ultimately there, it's nothing that one person can do. But mm-hmm. uh, again, like almost, almost every hero epic archetypical story, there's, there's always the other that goes with, you know, in the Lord of the Rings, it's Samwise with Frodo, mm-hmm. uh, Harry Potter, it's J- Ginny and Ron in, mm-hmm. you know, like. There, you know, there in all of the the quintessential archetypical stories, there's always the other, and so uh, uh, it, it would not be possible without those type of people. And when you phrase it through a Catholic lens or look mm. at it through a Catholic lens, it's impossible without walking with God in those right. types of yeah. situations, right. you know. And so. For myself, just as my relationship with my wife is a wrestling match, uh, uh, you know, just to try and and for for us both to turn out halfway decent people, uh, my my relationship with God very much falls into those uh, into that realm as well. Where there there is no way I don't have just r- ridiculous out of this world ADHD, but like so the times that I can talk to God is when I when I drive and I can, I can sit there like a crazy person in my car and, and wrestle with God, you yeah. know, dur- yeah. during that time. And so, so yeah, and, and that's, and that's what marriage is all about. I mean, sacramental marriage is that, uh, that friendship and that um, nurturing yeah. between husband and yeah. wife with God, you know, it's that triune, you know, situation that you need to have. In yeah. order to have a sacramental marriage, certainly the glory of human love. I right. mean, that, that we get to be a support for one another. Right. Dan and Aubrey, I want to thank you guys so much for coming on and being with us, sharing your story, sharing uh, you know th- the depth of your experience with the Lord in the midst of of suffering and misery. It's beautiful, truly. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you, thank you guys. Well, up next, we're going to explore the beauty and power of Saint John Paul II's. Theology of the Body's teaching. Be sure to join us in the next conversation on Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network.